The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Well, some uh, big things happening last week and this upcoming week. It's the National Handicapping Championship. And most of you listening... Enjoy the art of handicapping. So I'm bringing aboard two of the absolute best. Our first guest, Jonathan Kinchin of Austin, Texas, won four national handicapping championship qualifying contests. He's the leader going into this weekend's contest. He's already earned 75000 and he has a chance to win a 2 million dollar bonus if he pulls down the top prize over the weekend so we're bringing you the current top handicapper in the country jonathan kinchin and try to see if we can't figure out some of his tools of the trade and how he got to such a situation a young guy he's only 33 years old uh, and he uh, works as a realtor, so it'll be interesting to learn a little bit more about his background at such a young age to be such an accomplished handicapper. And then after Jonathan, uh, we're going to have another one of the top qualifiers, and that would be Lisa Blevins. Now, Lisa just started out having a lot of fun around the Cincinnati area. Uh, her husband was a qualifier 12 years ago, and uh they just kind of hung out at the track at River Downs and Turfway Park and uh, enjoyed a few beers and making bets, but all of a sudden they got more of a passion for it and uh, have uh, turned it into uh, quite a job. Again, they'll be going to the National Handicapping Championship, and that's Lisa Blevins. I want to learn about uh, how she grew from casual fan to professional player. Well, let's take a look at one of the major tools you're going to want to use if you're out there at the championship. And that, of course, would be our easy win forms here at winningponies.com. Had another good week from coast to coast. We're going to be playing uh, some uh, races uh, later today from Tampa Bay. Last week at a $1 Super 5 box that paid over $6,000. And also down there uh, at Tampa Bay, and a $1 super paid 5322 Uh I understand Laura will not be racing this weekend. It's too bad because the Easy Win Forms had a good week. A $1 Super 5 key paid over $3,000 on the 17th, and the next day came back with another $1 Super 5 key, $2,329. Again, uh, looks like Laurel will be canceling the Saturday and Sunday card. 
And we're going to find out if other cards are going to be canceled. Of course, we've got Stormageddon coming in on us again. And for that reason, uh, when handicapping tonight with Lisa Blevins, I called an audible uh, in our pre-release. We put out that we're going to be handicapping the Busanda from Aqueduct. But I've got a feeling that New York's going to be getting hit pretty darn hard by Saturday. And so upon her suggestion, we said, hey, let's go someplace where it's warm. We were already going to play the Pasco for three-year-old boys. That's a race that leads up to uh, their big Tampa Bay uh, Downs series. Uh, so we thought we'd also do the girls' version, the Gasparilla, which has got some really high-quality horses that have a whole lot of upside to them. Well, again, we'll be talking about the Pasco and the Gasparilla uh, with Lisa Blevins. And then she's out on the West Coast, and um, we're going to pick up one of the few graded stakes races over the weekend, the Grade 2 Santa Monica from Santa Anita. So those would be the races we're going to play. We're going to put the Busanda on the back seat. Well, uh, hope you got a chance to tune in through one of the outlets. The uh, Eclipse Awards, not a whole lot of surprises. Horse of the Year, American Pharaoh, swept the board 261 votes. Older Merrill went to the honor code who beat out Liam's map. That was a little bit close in the voting. Not close at all. Older female, Beholder, took that one down easy. Well, I hope Ahmed Zayat has a big mantle at his house. I'm sure he does because he came home with a slew of trophies, including leading owner. And his trainer, Bob Baffert, brought down top trainer honors. No doubt about three-year-old male, swept that. American Pharaoh, also horse of the year. Three-year-old female, pretty big winner. Stellar wind. She was purchased privately after breaking her maiden at Laurel in 2014. Pretty good private purchase, if you ask me. The jockey, never in doubt. Javier Castellano, what a year he had. Now, the leading apprentice jockey was Tyler Gaffalioni. He is the son of a jockey himself. On the grass, no surprise that it's a son of Kitten's Joy. Big Blue Kitten took home the boys' division. And for female turf, it was Teppin from the Mark Cassie barn. Steeplechaser went to Dawalan. And it was Ahmed Zayat Zayat Stables taking home top breeder. No doubt about this one. Male sprinter, run happy. Be interesting to see if he stretches out as the year goes on. Female sprinter went to La Verdad. The two-year-olds, no doubt about this one. Nyquist got the boys' division, and the undefeated Songbird got the girls. So that was a look at the Eclipse Awards. I hope you got a chance to tune in. There are plenty of people that uh, are on these airwaves that were there. Now, American Pharaoh not only got Horse of the Year here, but he was also named the world's best race horse, uh, according to the Longines International Federation of Horse Racing. Uh, he earned a final rating of 134. That rating is the highest since Frankel topped the standings in 2012, and it makes American Pharaoh the first North American-based horse since Curlin in 2008 to top the final rankings. What's interesting is the uh, late shared belief was in the top 20. I was glad to see that, and uh, others based in the U.S. that got votes were Beholder, Dortmund, Firing Line, and Honor Code. 
Well, the racing and breeding world lost three high-profile horses this week. Uh, just found out that Claiborne Stallion Arch passed away at the age of 21. That was just yesterday. Uh, they believe that he had an apparent heart attack. Again, 21-year-old son of Chris S. stood at stud at Claiborne. He was out of a Danzig mare, won the Super Derby for Claiborne and Adele Dishneider. He sired 58 stakes winners, 11 grade one winners. And his total progeny earnings were over $53 million. Of course, the big guy that would be taking his place there at Claiborne was Blame. A three-time grade one winner who ended Zenyatta's historic winning streak in the 2010 Breeders' Cup. And then we heard from our friend Michael Blowen, who was sad to give us the information, the passing of Gulch on Sunday. Of course, he was the 1988 Breeders' Cup Sprint Champion and Eclipse Award winner. He was put down because of complications from cancer. Again, Gulch, 32 years old, uh, his final start and greatest victory did come in the 1988 Breeders' Cup for trainer D. Wayne Lucas, and uh, he stood his career at Lane's End Farm. Very happy to have him at Old Friends, but very sorry Michael Bowen had to say goodbye. And then the top sire, King Mambo, he was euthanized at the age of 26. Yeah, think about this. They have a multiple Group 1 winner. Uh, had to be put down because of old age. He was last active as a stallion in 2010. Now, he races a homebred for the Niarchos family. Uh, he is a son of two-time Breeders' Cup mile winner and champion Miesk. What a pedigree, and he certainly showed that on the track and in the breeding shed. Uh, King Mambo entered stud in 1994 at Lane's End and spent his entire career there siring 700. And 36 winners, including 95 stakes winners, and amassed earnings of 104 million plus. Of course, in the U.S., best known would be uh, Lemon Drop Kid, um, who captured the 99 Belmont Stakes and Traverse Stakes, and the following year earned the Eclipse Awards, the champion older male, after he won the. Uh, Whitney and Woodward. So we're going to miss those horses, but they were great. Lived pretty long lives, to say the least. Uh, new voting category, Florent Giroux and T.D. Houghton took the first annual Jockey's Guild Jockey Talk 360 Riding Award. Florent Giroux got it for the most improved rider, and Terry Dwayne Houghton, I never knew that was his real name, just knew it was TD. He was named Comeback Rider of the Year. So congratulations uh, to, the, to those guys. Last week's uh, Jockey of the Week was Johnny V. Uh, he went a total of four races on the Saturday card down at Gulfstream, including triumphs in both the Sunshine Millions Philly and Mare Turf Stakes and the Sunshine Millions Classic. So congratulations to Johnny V. And I want to wish, wish the best to California Chrome. Could be in the air right now. He had a final tune-up earlier in the week and was just pulling his jockey out of the irons. He is headed over to Dubai. Art Sherman says he's probably going to have a prep race in the Maktoum Challenge, which is a $400,000 race before he goes into the big one for $10 million. All right, quickly. Take a look at last week's races that we looked at here on Winning Ponies. The La Canada out at Santa Anita 
went to Terrace. We are wondering if they could, she could stretch out, and the daughter of Flatter did, stalked off the rail, and uh, took down the top prize over Bird at the Wire, two of them that were stretching out. Uh, in the uh, third spot, there was Yahilwa. So it was those outside horses that we kind of keyed in with, uh, with Dean Kepler that got the job done there in the La Canada. Okay, then we went down to the fairgrounds, and we looked at the Silver Bullet Day. Now, this one for three-year-old fillies that we'll probably see popping up in Louisiana a little bit later as they uh, point towards the, uh, the oaks there. And uh, the winner... In there was, no surprise, our top pick, Stage Play, trained by Steve Asmussen, ridden by Florent Giroux, went away at odds on. The daughter, Curlin, now has made four lifetime starts, has three wins and a second. So she likes the fairground strip. Look for Stage Play to be pointing to the big series of races down there in Louisiana. And the second spot was Midnight on Oakendee. Uh, who was trained by Larry Jones. He always does well down at, at the fairgrounds. And in the third spot, down along the inside, Jet Black Magic got the job finishing up in the show spot. So then we went to another fairgrounds race, the Le Compte, that uh, did have uh, uh, implications on the Derby Trail, no doubt about it. Uncle Mo, top two-year-old sire last year, and... Mo Tom got the job done. Corey Lannery came in. Uh, again, we talked about the Kentucky Jockey Club in there. And uh, we thought that, you know, the wet track uh, under the lights, that might have had something to do with his third-place performance there. He closed very, very well uh, in the Kentucky Jockey Club. And now in his debut, 2016, put in a very strong finish and uh, got the job done in the Lecompte. So uh, we will be keeping an eye out for this horse down on the Louisiana circuit. In the second spot, a horse that drew into the race, Tom's ready uh, for Dallas Stewart, finished up second. And then in the third spot, it was another son of Uncle Mo, and that was Uncle Walter, trained by Mike Maker and owned by the Ramseys, who finished up third in the LeCompte. So uh, we will uh, keep an eye on those horses. Uh, some other horses that we might want to look at here that came out of races last week, uh, particularly on the, uh, the three-year-old trail, was Discreetness. Uh, now, Discreetness, this was one of the races that was run on Martin Luther King Day, and, uh, which was last Monday, and what a ride by John Court in the Smarty Jones. He decided to put him a little bit closer to the pace. Of course, uh, that race uh, is, uh, comes up the short finish line. They have two finish lines at Oak Lawn Park. And uh, so it came up a little bit uh, faster than he thought, but it was a beautiful ride by John Court. And it was the second consecutive two-turn stakes victory for discreetness who in December won the Springboard Mile at Remington Park. And uh, from what I saw today, it looks like uh, Jenks Fires is going to point him on the road uh, to the races in Oaklawn. Next, he'll be going to the half-a-million-dollar 
grade three Southwest stakes. So uh, also who finished with him was Gordy Florida, and looks like he's going to go in the Southwest too. So uh, discreetness, congratulations to John Court, an absolutely beautiful race uh, down there at Oaklawn Park, where our friend Pete Aiello is calling some great races. Okay, also on Monday, um, Mr. and Mrs. Jerome Moss's homebred Carrie Bell was all off to hold off. A strong bid from Storm and Lucy and Theater Star captured the $100,000 Grade 3 Turf Megahertz Stakes at Santa Anita Park. Came from off the pace by Alex Solis. Grab command in the stretch from Glory and Chocolati, <laughs> who pressed that rival from the start and gamely dug in to turn back the matriarch winner, Stormy Lucy, by a nose. Theater star was a close third. Carrie Bell, the upsetter, paid $27.80. So that's a look at some of the races uh, from uh, last week. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. I do want to remind you, the reason we didn't have any results from Martin Luther King Day at Aqueduct is because they were closed. And again, for those of you uh, looking to play Laurel over the weekend, they have officially canceled the racing on the 23rd and the 24th, which is Saturday and Sunday. So uh, with that said, we're going to take a brief break, and hopefully when we come back, we're going to have Jonathan Kitchen with us here on Winning Ponies. School to the pros, we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Jonathan Kinchin who uh, enters next weekend's National Handicapping Championship as the leading points 
earner. Uh, he also has a, a little bit of uh, pressure on his back there. He's got a chance to pull down an extra $2 million bonus should he do well. Um, reading up on him, he's recommended to me from award-winning writer Jenny Reese. I think she's only got five eclipses. And uh, she told me I'd find this guy really interesting, so I did a little research on him. And I was really shocked to see that he's only 33 years old. So uh, with that ado, Jonathan, welcome and congratulations. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. Well, uh, I had never seen you before, but I was watching the Eclipse Awards last week. Uh, For somebody in front of a national audience, uh, you were pretty cool, calm, and collected. What was it like down there at the Eclipse? Well, they were, first off, they were giving away free wine at the table, so that probably had something to do with my calmness. But uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. No, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. You know, I've watched that show uh, many times as a as a, a fan, and to be fortunate enough to be able to participate, even in the small way that I did, was um, was really exciting and, and and cool to kind of just be standing. I was I was literally one table over from the Baffert, so. You know, you know. I think I, a lot of my friends kept sending me pictures because I kept being in the background when the cameras came to go look at the Baffert. So, uh, yeah, no, it was it was really cool, really cool opportunity, and and I'm and I'm feel fortunate that I was able to do it. Well, yeah, yeah, I thought it was really neat, and I will say that the, the wine worked its wonder because you came off like a pro. So, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't worry about that. It was great to see up there with all the all those people that uh, the nation spotlight was on uh, in the biggest of all stages for us that appreciate thoroughbred racing. Well, uh, I've got to ask you, what what was the step-off point? When did you get involved in racing? How did you get involved in racing? Are, are you a, a native of Austin, Texas? Well, I grew up in Dallas, uh, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes from Lone Star Park, and um, like a lot of people, it kind of started with my dad taking me to the track. Um, the, the biggest difference, I would say, is that my dad is an awful, awful horse player. He's, he's actually that guy <laughs> that's like in front of you, and you're trying to get your bet in that you handicapped, and he's the guy that's just like looking back at the screen, just random, like rambling off numbers at whatever track is closest <laughs> that meant to post. And so um, I just, he used to hand me like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks when we would go. And I realized that if I could make some educated decisions, I could leave with more money than that. So I kind of got interested. Um, and then it really, it really happened for me when I was in college. I, I, I went to UT here in Austin, and uh, there used to be a racetrack called Maynard Downs. It was here. It's recently closed down. Or not recently, but it's closed down the last five or ten years. Um, Took my hundred dollars, bet eighty five dollars in a bunch of exacta boxes and tri boxes with and with uh, a fleet Alex, and I remembered my dad's you know racetrack friend telling me he liked Giacomo. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I bet five across the board on Giacomo. Went back to the crawfish party that we were having in my friend's backyard, and then uh, not only did I look like a genius in front of my friends, but I was the rich one, winning five like five hundred bucks. And uh, I think that night I ordered like. Buyer on Speed, Steve Davidowitz's Betting Thoroughbreds, and a couple other books. And from that point on, it was I was pretty much hooked. Yeah, I was going to ask you kind of what tools you used uh, to kind of develop your craft. Um, I, well, the, the biggest tool, which is which is probably the tool that most people don't want to hear, is the, is is your own money and losing your own money. When you get tired of doing the wrong things, you start figuring out a way to do them better. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, just losing money and realizing that that doesn't work, you know. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, is just the hard work and, and like, getting up, watching replays, um, taking the time to, to to really follow circuits and understand why trainers and jockeys are doing what they're doing and why horses are spotted where they're spotted. 
And uh, I, I think that comes with a lot of time that you have to put into it, you know. Um, I always feel like I have a good chance when I go to the racetrack because I, I at least feel like I've done more work than the people that I'm going to be betting against. And the same said for tournaments, you know. Um, not saying that there's not tournament players that put in the same amount of work, but I know that I'm definitely in the top 10% um, of, of the amount of time that I put into this, and it makes me feel a lot better, a lot more comfortable when I go in. And then when you get beat, when you do the work, it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as well. Well, uh, obviously, it sounds like you're taking a very uh, you know positive approach and logical uh, approach to it. <clears throat> now, when you uh, when you go to the track to play for yourself, how different is that when you go to the track to play in a tournament? Well, in a, in a, in a live money tournament, it's it's um, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm, I'm more of a multis player. Um, that's where I've kind of found my my comfort zone is playing multi-race bets and so most of the tournament formats don't allow that um there i did happen to win one this year that they do allow it but um so normally it's a little bit different when i go to the track you know by myself i'm playing the multis when i'm there i'm doing when i'm there for tournaments i'm doing tries but it's all typically the same thing it all kind of goes back to the same fundamentals as finding value and then pressing that opinion when the value is there um and, and and if you use that no matter what if it's the two dollar win place live money or just a day at the track um it's usually the best way to go and that's so i try to stay in that lane but it, it, it varies from time to time uh, how about um races that you prefer i mean do you get your teeth into turf races route races two-year-olds is, the, is there something that you feel you're strongest in um you know, it's funny as I actually try. I try not to. No, so no. The answer is no. I don't. There's not one that I feel more comfortable doing. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with any type of race, um, as long as I have all of the information that I need in order to to attack that race. So um, no, I mean, I guess if I got to pick, I'd rather watch stakes horses run. But you know, that's just a fan in me. But I have no problem. I mean, look. I mean, we all we all like a you know a, a non-winners of two a lot more than we like the. <laughs> you know, uh, than a, a 10 claimer or something, but I just, it doesn't matter. It's all a fun puzzle to me, and it doesn't really make a difference which one it is. Now, with, with that said, then I'm guessing uh, that you probably really don't have any favorite tracks, trainers, or jockeys? Uh, no, I, I actually do. Um, I do. I, my favorite track is, without a doubt, it's not even close, is Santa Anita. Um, it was my favorite track before I, before this year when I was fortunate enough to go out there for tournaments and, and get to know some of the guys out there, Tom Quigley, who does their VIP player stuff, and sure. Nate Newby, um, who's the vice president of marketing there. Like Those guys showed me um, that, you know, the, the great you know, inner workings of that racetrack and how amazing it is. And, and it's not just me. They'll do it for anyone. If you go there and you play and you participate, you know, make sure you holler at those guys. But... Um, without a doubt, at Santa Anita, when you walk, you know, if you've never been there before, when you walk in over to the or to the um, into the clubhouse and you walk through there and you walk out and you see the, the mountains, you know, when you get there before the first race, there's nothing that makes me feel the way that that does. It's just one of the greatest things in, in, in racing, I think. Um, and then trainers, no, not so much. I mean, I like the trainers that have won big races for me, you know, that I've scored on. Um, jockeys. You know, I'm, I'm a big Zenyatta fan, uh, so I, I like Mike Smith for that reason. But um, Mike Smith also, my, one of my biggest scores ever was riding Drosselmeyer in the Belmont, and so uh, he's good with me in my book. 
He sure is, and 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 he is on a roll right now. Anybody he's he's on, you've got to take a second look at because this guy knows what he's doing, and obviously, so so does his agent. Now, uh, I have to ask you this uh, because you, you talk with such a, with such confidence. Um, do you feel that uh, they're going to play the David Bowie's theme song under pressure when you walk in the room with that two million dollars hanging over your head? Um, you know, it's funny. It's like last year when I when I went, I felt like I was under more pressure than I am this year. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, last year I was I was relatively new. Um, I I hadn't you know I'd played in a few tournaments obviously to get there and had done okay, um, but I still was I was still searching for like that validation that I that I fit that I that I could participate with with these with these big guys that have been doing this for so long, and um, and I and I and I played nervous to fail last year. I was so scared I was going to do bad. I was so scared I was going to bomb that I, it really motivated me to work hard. And, um, and this year it's the same kind of motivation. I, I, I'm not so much the pressure to, to win, you know, $3 million. The pressure that I'm feeling is the pressure that the same pressure I feel always when I go to the track. I just don't want to fail. It doesn't matter. I feel the same way right now as I feel when I'm going to San Anita on a Saturday. Um, I'm just going to do as much as work as I can as in, in, until that point, until I get there, and, and then hope that the um, that the horses participate. I mean, uh, that they uh, that they cooperate. So uh, you know, not nothing, nothing crazy, no crazy pressure. Well, um, I, from what I understand, there's now a new hashtag NHC. Uh, the release came out today that social media is going to be uh, following uh, you and some of the top players throughout the tourney. I know one of the people will probably be Jenny Reese. You may have met Jenny uh, already. She'll put you in a relaxed state. So it'll be interesting that our, our fans can actually watch what's going on at the contest and kind of follow uh, the whole process through the NTRA. Now, we've got people listening to this show that uh, are professional handicappers, veteran handicappers, but we've also got people that are just entering uh, into the game and trying to learn. Uh, Jonathan Kinchin, what advice would you give someone playing in their first tournament? Well, I mean, the biggest thing I think that you can do, and I know I say it over and over again, but I honestly, when, I, when I've had the, the times I've had as much success as I've had this year, it's always been when I've been prepared um, and what I mean by prepared is whatever it is that you do, whatever kind of handicapper you are, um, have a plan before you get there. Obviously, you don't want to show up to the racetrack, open up, you know, go buy a form, open it up, and then start. You know, I, I would try to hop on it as, as soon as you possibly can. I mean, I'm in the process right now of handicapping fairgrounds for next Friday. When you call, that's what I was working on. I finished Thursday already, so I'm getting way ahead of it so that when I get there, I'm not stressed out trying to figure out, oh, what am I going to do? What, you know, should I play this race or should I play the ninth at Santa Anita? And I haven't even looked at the ninth at Santa Anita. So that's what I would do. I would just prepare and whatever it is that you do. And then, and then um, try, to, try to expand your game a little bit. If you're a, if you're a guy that, that just looks at the buyer speed figure, well, then, then how about take a look at start watching replays. If you're a guy that just watches replays and start doing other things, or a guy or a girl that's doing that. You know, I just would try to expand your game and to, to get as many tools as you possibly can so that you're ready for all situations. And that's, and that's luckily, you know, me and the, and the group of friends that I kind of run with, um, 
you know, we have a big group text that we, we always go back and forth and exchange ideas and, and, and different scenarios. And, you know, there's guys that do this and do that. And then and, and they introduce those things to us and, and to, to, to the other guys. And sometimes I think that's really important to, to just add new things. Don't, you know, don't just stick to the same old stuff. Well, obviously, again, we're talking with uh, Jonathan Kenshin, who's going into the National Handicapping Championship as the leading points earner. You're obviously someone that, that's well-rounded, well-prepared. What uh, do you do day of tourney? Do you have a routine? Do you hit the treadmill? Uh, do you do yoga? Do you have two cups of coffee? What, 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 what's, what's a tourney day like for you? <laughs> this is funny. Um, so, so last year at the NAC, um, my shower broke, and so I called down to try to get someone to come up and fix it, and, but I was running out of time before the first race started, so I had to get down there, but of course I needed to bathe, so I just took a bath. I was like, I'm just going to take a bath. I haven't taken a bath in 25 years, <laughs> and uh, obviously I had a good day on day one, so day two my shower was fixed, but I, there was no way I was getting in the shower, so I took a <laughs> bath again. Day three I took a bath again. Um, I used the bath method once during this year when I really needed it, um, and it worked out. And then, uh, then I kind of put it on the shelf. So the bath will be will be back um, in action when when I get there. So um, no, other than that, that's pretty much it. Uh, if if I haven't had too much fun the night before, I typically like to get up and and, and do some work as early as I can. And then uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, no, no crazy rituals other than that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I do that's, that's kind of outside of the uh, outside of the box. No, that's pretty much it. So there's just just bath time. I think probably would be the weirdest thing I'll probably do on game day. Well, it's very relaxing. I understand it. Well, uh, Jonathan Kinchin, I want to thank you so much for spending the time with us. I want to congratulate you, and I want to wish you best of luck when you're out there. And uh, should you win it, i got your phone number. I'll be giving you a call back. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Okay, we've been talking with Jonathan Kinchin, who goes into the tourney as the top points leader. Now we're going to get a woman's perspective, somebody that just started out having some fun, uh, uh, banging beers at River Downs, and she's ended up taking the game pretty seriously, and that's Lisa Blevins. She's on hold with us, so we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back, we're going to talk to Lisa and see how she's approaching the contest. You're listening to Winning Pony. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, when I uh, tried to set up this segment because I wanted to... uh segue into the National Handicapping Championship, I reached out to my friend Jenny Reese and uh, Jim Mulvihill at the NTRA and asked them for some people that they might suggest, and both of them said, oh, you might want to talk to Lisa Blevins. So uh, I, I since have, and I, and I looked up her history, and as it turns out, uh, we've shared a lot of stomping grounds together. Uh, Lisa and, and her husband, Ajabi, uh, were uh, from northern Kentucky. They met at Newport High School there, and... Uh, hung out at the same tracks I did, and that would be River Downs and Latonia slash Turfway Park. So with no further ado, she's heading out to Vegas next week. Lisa Blevins, how are you? Hi, John. I'm doing great. Well, uh, I thought it was really interesting. I loved reading. uh, You were were one of those cooler cappers down on the grass apron at River Downs, as I recall. (laughs) Yeah, rail birds for sure. Back in the day, that's what we would do. We would get a a cooler full of beer, and back then River Downs didn't uh, charge admission, so we would bring a cooler full of beer and hang out on the rail, drink beer, walk in, make a bet, come back out, drink some more beer, and repeat throughout the day. Right, right, right. Watch them load for the mile and the 16th races right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even had a chance to yell at the jockeys a time or two. A- absolutely. Well, so uh, we've shared a lot of experience as far as that's concerned, but from, from you know, listening to your uh, interview with, uh, with Jim Mulvihill, it seems like uh, you and your husband just kind of started out as casual players, and I'm just wondering, how did you... Uh, graduate from that into, into tourney play? When, when did your passive playing develop into serious handicapping? Um, well, we started uh, back when they had the live contest, um, when they first started doing the NHC the first year at Keeneland. Um, we played in, in those contests. In fact, one of our uh, uh, best friends, um, a good buddy of ours named Ken Yeager, actually qualified for the first year at NHC at Keeneland. And then after that, we kind of got the bug, only playing, you know, in the live tournaments. Back then, there weren't, you know, all this online tournaments that they have now. And then we would just play, you know, the contest at Keeneland um, and, and at River Downs as well. And then that's um, in year four of the NHD is when my husband, Joby, actually qualified at, at River Downs. Um, and, and we would play in those off and on, nothing too serious. We mostly just liked going to the track for the track experience and, and going to Keeneland for the live, the live meets and, and still hanging out at River Downs. Um, and then over time, um, we got a little bit more serious about it. Of course, after Joby and Kenny qualified, you know, it really got me into wanting to do it. And then um, a few years later, um, when the online um, horse tourneys and NHC qualifying, a lot of the websites uh, came to be, I really started getting into it um, and started playing in some of those tournaments as well. Um, and it's only been in the past few years with um, the, the site that I like to play on is horse tourneys. Um, they have a lot of small satellite tourneys where you can qualify, you know, for a bigger tourney for just $16. And, you know, and price point there is great. You can qualify for big tournaments for not a lot of money. 
Um, and then I started getting into it a little bit more. Um, I'm a I'm a student of any game that I play. I also like to play poker, and I like to read about game theory. And that really is where I started getting serious about it, realizing that you have to do more than just be a good handicapper. You have to understand how to play the game. Absolutely, and I've discussed this with different people. I mean, a day at the races is a lot different than a day at a tournament. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, that, that's kind of something that's a little bit hard. <laughs> it, it kind of goes against your better nature sometimes when you're playing in a tournament. It's not always about, you know, picking the winner of the race, but about picking the best horse that's going to give you the best chance at the best odds to, if that horse does win, to vault you up the leaderboard. Um, and sometimes it's also, you know, picking the horse that has a good chance of winning that maybe none of the other players have. That's a key point as well. Well, I, I know that uh, you had a pretty good day, uh, the, the contest that got you in there. I believe Hard Aces is a horse that you'll always have a special place in your heart. Oh, you know that. I'm, I, I like Hard Sponge, but, yeah, Hard Aces was, was the key for me that, that day back in June when I qualified. Um, yeah, the, the great thing about that particular, that particular play was um, I had handicapped the, you know, of course, the whole card and then had all of my picks ready, but it was a live tournament. So I had the opportunity to change my choice at the end if I wanted to. And actually, Hard Aces uh, went off at a little bit higher odds than I expected him to. Um, and that was the, the Gold Cup um, at, um, at, at uh, Santa Anita. And I decided to stick with my original pick. And at the end, it turned out that I was. Um, 10th or 12th on the leaderboard at the time, and again, it was key to pick a horse that no one else had um, to get me up to the top of the leaderboard, and no one else had hard aces. You know, if someone in front of me would have had more money than me at the time, um, if they would have had hard aces as well, I would not have won. Um, so again, it's about picking the best horse at the best opportunity, um, but hard aces is my first pick anyway, and my best pick in that race, which was even better made me all the more happy. <laughs> well, I, I know, know you said in one of your interviews that uh, uh, that J- Joby qualified back in 2003 and kind of had a little fun rubbing your nose in it for a couple years. Is, is he going to be in this contest too, or did you both qualify? Oh, no, he did not. You know, he had a couple of so, so close finishes. Um, this year, um, just getting beat by a nose in one contest, and in another contest, he posted $140, which in a tournament is, you know, is a really good number. Normally, um, you can win a contest like the contest that I won. I posted $124 in one. He posted 140 in a contest and didn't get there. He missed. He bubbled actually two uh, qualifiers this year, so he didn't make it. Well, but you'll just have to represent there. the family out there over the weekend. And, uh, oh, you know, absolutely. Um, I, I w- wanted to ask you, we, uh, we heard from uh, Jonathan Kinchin about his, uh, you know, good luck charm as far as, uh, you know, t- taking a bath before a tournament. Do you, did you have anything that you do uh, the, the day before the, the, the tournament or that you plan to do? Um, no, nothing, nothing is, uh, as crazy as good luck hygiene, like what Jonathan had. Um, I, I do have a, uh, favorite hat 
that I have. It's a uh, derby hat that I picked up the year, I think it was Derby 135 when Big Brown won. If that tells you anything about how old it is, it is an old and stinky hat. But it's got I good will not give that hat up. <laughs> and I will probably, I, I did pick up a, a, an American Pharaoh hat and a couple of Breeders' Cup hats um, when I went to Cleveland this year for Breeders' Cup. But that, uh, that Big Brown hat will be in the rotation for me. Okay, well, listen, let's uh, put your feet to the fire. I know a lot of our people are saying, hey, John, you've got this great handicapper on. Let's, let's see what, what she can do. I know you're, uh, you're, you're out there towards the, the Pacific. So let's go to the, the Santa Monica. It's a grade two, a seven furlong affair. As a matter of fact, all three races we're going to try to get to are seven furlong, which I find uh, kind of a unique challenge. It's, it's an interesting different uh, distance, rather. And uh, in, in the Santa Monica, you've got a pretty mixed bag of horses in here. Uh, there's three that I like, but I won't tip my hand. I was wondering who, who you feel is the strength in here. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you on the seven furlong distance. That is a tricky distance. It does make it more of a challenge. Um, my pick this race, I went kind of deep here as far as uh, the odds go. Uh, my pick is Finest City, the nine horse. Um and the reason why is, is kind of a, a little bit of a swami angle, but, but stick with me here and I'll explain to you why. Um, if you look at the uh, past performances, um, Nakatani um, has ridden this horse several times for both of its wins, and he is super hot right now at Oakland. Um, he's still riding at Oakland. He won one or two there today. He is coming back to California, um, and I'm presuming it is specifically to ride this race. Uh, for Ian Krolljak, who is um, Eric Krolljak's son. He's a, a new up-and-coming trainer. This looks like maybe it's one of his one and only horses. Um, I love this horse because if you look back when it broke its maiden, um, all three horses came back, or actually its first race, all three horses came back and won their next race. Tremologist, the horse that got third in that race, just won after a long layoff at Santa Anita, um, that was a horse that I had in my stable mail, and I made some money recently off of that horse. Um, but the reason that I like this horse, it's got a good running line. It's got some good buyers. Um, I'm willing to give it a pass um, in the La Brea, its most recent race. I think um, they just got a little overambitious with it, and out, it was a little bit outclassed there running against Bird of the Wire and Cavorting. You know, those are um, Breeders' Cup-type horses. Right. Um, but I think that I think that it is sitting on a really good race. Corey is running red hot right now, and I think that with its breeding, it's got great breeding for this city zip, nice and fast. And with the lemon drop kid on the bottom, it's got lots of bottom, and I look for it to be able to get the seven furlongs. I also think that there's going to be some speed here uh, coming out of the gate, which is going to give him something to run at. I, I really like your analysis of this race, and I'm sure other people's odds will go to some of the horses that, um, you know, have been uh, dancing in the bigger dances, uh, like uh, a prize exhibit practically exclusively uh, integrated stakes company and uh, mm-hmm. living the life who's great at stakes horse, but I'm scratching my head about this one. The last four wins for living that life have been on synthetic tracks, so <laughs> take, take it right. kind of a gamble with that one. But, uh, yeah, I had, all, that, all right, I had that same ta- mark on mine, too. Uh, 
We're talking with uh, Lisa Blevins, who's going to be out at the National Handicapping Championship over the weekend. And uh, now we're going to go. She bailed me out today. I, I'm, I'm asleep at the wheel saying, hey, John, you know, you wanted to do, do the Busanda with that, uh, you know, uh, Snowmageddon coming into New York, you might want to switch, so I did, and uh, switched up to two uh, prep races down at Tampa Bay Downs. These will hopefully lead to, to bigger races down the road. We'll start with the ladies here in the Gasparilla. This is the horse, the race that we swapped out for the Busanda, and, you know, I wasn't sure. I hadn't looked at the race, but holy cow, now that I've looked at this race, there's angles galore in there, Lisa. Yeah, I thought so, too. Which way are you going? Um, yeah, I, Who are you looking at? I mean, Owen Hardy has three horses in there, uh, one by Bernardini. The other one uh, sired by Medaglia Dioro was the second leading sire in the U.S. last year. And, and the third by the Red Hot Street Cry. And uh, these are for top, top stables. Uh, th- those fillies could, could be any kind. Then, of course, you've got top trainer Mark Cassie uh, coming in with a horse here that broke its maiden very impressively. And there's a lot of talk about the outside horse hidden treat coming off a win in the sandpiper at tampa uh that's a six furlong affair stretching out to seven so since i've already named half the field uh who did you kind of key in on uh i keyed in on cosmic girl the seven one of the owen hardy's that you mentioned the um the street car the street cry the uh, uh the homebred there um what I saw that I liked the most here was the race at Tampa, seven furlongs, so she's got a win at this distance and a seven-length um, seven margin win at that. Um, and I also liked that the uh, sixth furlong time for that race was 1.10, which is faster than the Sandpiper finish time. Um, and she went on to, of course, run another furlong to win that race. Um, so I thought that she looked like the most likely to be able to Stock the pace. I thought that the Cassie horse, the my girl's a charmer. Looks, you know, she's obviously got head and shoulders above the rest with that buyer that she ran in her maiden. Um, but I think she's going to be pretty short odds. And I'm looking for the one, the uh, valuable charmer that um, Gerald Bennett, uh, Robert Allen horse to come out of the one hole flying. And I'm hoping that those two will kind of hook up and and burn each other out a little bit. And Cosmic Girl can kind of sit back off of that. And I think she's, you know, with the win at the seven furlong distance, I think that's going to set up really nice for her. I love your analysis. This is this is great. I've got to get you <laughs> back you. on the show more often. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, the, the, now we'll go to the boys' version of uh, again. These are uh, races that will at, at some point probably ramp these horses up for for bigger races down at Tampa Bay Downs. This one is called uh, the Pasco, and. Uh, Pretty sure that uh, they like to use these to, to get you into uh, the, the bigger races down there. I'm trying to think exactly. I believe it would be the uh, uh, the, uh, t- the Tampa Bay Derby eventually. The, the Sam Davis Stakes, I think, is the next one, and then the Tampa Bay Derby. So here's the boys' version of the race we just handicapped. I found this interesting to see how this race sets up, Lisa. I, all I see is all the speed on the inside, and I'm wondering if right. that could set it up for somebody maybe like, you know, these are lightly raised three-year-olds, Hand of Power or Jay's Way that, that, that seemed to like to maybe come off it. Do you think these inside horses are going to eat each other up on the inside? Uh, I saw it the same way that you did. Um, you know, the pace on the inside is, is going to be 
pretty snappy here, and actually my, my pick here uh, was Jay's way. The way that I saw the, the race kind of setting up is that uh, the one in the four, um, the morning fire and um, formal summation would get out and, and have a pace duel. Formal summation did run a great race last time, and he could be, you know, just sitting on a big one, but I'm, I'm kind of choosing to go toward um, the, the Jay's way horse. Um, kind of a, a local outfit, Midwest thoroughbreds is, is is a great outfit, and they attracted this um, uh, leading jockey here in the inaugural last time. Um, I, I did watch the race replay on that, um, and actually Formal Summation and Jay's Way were both in that race. Um, Formal Summation got second by a neck there, but uh, Jay's Way was actually favored over him in the morning line there, so I'm, I'm kind of putting a little bit into that, too. Um, and thinking that he just would like a little bit uh, longer race here. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking there's going to be an awful lot of speed, and it's going to set up for him to come and close. The, the, the horse that kind of drew some interest for me is Hand of Power, and the reason is uh, I really respect uh, Ian Wilkes as the trainer. I find it interesting that Julian Leparu is coming in to ride this horse. It made its career debuts on the grass. Then all of a sudden they moved it to the main track at Churchill Downs, and this horse had a huge wake-up call, big jump in the buyer. I think Hands of Power can be very dangerous in the Posco. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, and you can you can never overlook a candy ride, and if you do, it's at your own peril. Yes, he's so hot right now. I was lo- looking through last week's stakes results, and I believe he had at least two stakes winners over the weekend. Right, right. But uh, I was also reading, quote, you, you mentioned uh, foral summation that obviously uh, could be a factor in here for those of you playing in exactas and trifectas, that uh, the horse really got roughed up in that last race in the inaugural and had to change its running style and come from off it. And uh, Kathleen O'Connell really kind of saw that as a benefit, that she saw another dimension to her horse, but suggested that sh- that wasn't her intention and that you're going to see him closer to the pace on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this sets up. Well, um, Lisa, when you uh, go into this contest now, how many tracks will you be playing over the the weekend? Um, There are, um, there's mandatory races that everyone has to play, and then there's um, optional races that you get to choose from. And on Thursday, I believe there are six tracks to choose from, and then on Friday and Saturday there are seven tracks to choose from. Now, since you're given a choice, do you have a favorite track you feel that you're most successful at? Um, yeah, Santa Anita is probably my choice right now. Um, I do like Oakland a lot, though, as well. Um, I know that their meet just started, but, um, you know, when I lived in Kentucky for all of that time, I, I did kind of follow Oakland. I always thought that Oakland and Churchill were very comparable to one another, and I always liked that angle a little bit. Horses at, at Churchill or at Oakland always seem to run well at Churchill. Um, so I will be following um, Oakland closely also. All right. Well, again, uh, we're uh, talking with uh, Lisa Blevins, who's going to be in the contest. I wish you nothing but the best. And all I can say is, as a, as a loyal Cincinnatian that used to uh, just bring your cooler to the track and come in and have a cold one, if you and Joby are back in northern Kentucky, give me a call. I'll take you guys out for a beer. Oh, well, I would absolutely love that. And, and thank you for the well wishes, John. I appreciate it. I'm going to do my very best for 
you know, back there in Kentucky, all of my friends and family that are going to be following me. And, t- and they tell them they can follow you on hashtag NHC. I hear they're going to be very busy tracking down the top players, and I know you're one of them. Well, thank you very much, John. I, I plan on being there. All right, we've been talking with Lisa Blevins and also Jonathan Kinchin. The big national handicapping championship is coming up next weekend in Las Vegas. So I hope you got some good tips there. Thanks again for joining us on Winning Ponies. Pull down those easy win forms and get some easy winners. As I look out of the press box over the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want to remind everybody, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.